are listening to Setting History Straight with Linda Watson on Hebrew Nation Radio. Okay, everyone, have Adam Wicker on. People have wrote me, Adam, and said, you have this person named Adam, but we don't know his last name. (laughs) So I never did tell him your last name. So this is Adam Wicker, and he's going to do a teaching today. So how are you doing, Adam? I'm doing well, Linda. All right. So we have, uh, Linda and I have been talking, and, and mostly Linda, but over the last several weeks, it might have been months now, we have been discussing the signs, what we believe is coming, what, what we believe the Word of God and the Father is trying to tell us is coming. And there's been some specific discussions we've had around uh, flooding, the roaring of the seas, the earthquakes. And that was uh, a particular topic of interest for the group. There were several people that said, hey, I want to know more about that. So I'm only going to give you a brief introduction to that today. And here's why. When I was putting this together, the spirit really pressed me. I mean, the father was pressing me to wait, just step back and share, share this other piece first. And it actually has everything to do with the whole point of the appointed times, the Moedim, both the spring and the fall. So I will briefly talk about the flooding and the earthquakes, and then the next uh, lesson will go in, it'll do a deep dive into specifically what we found uh, with those. And, and you should realize also that these, this particular topic is something that Linda and I are currently uh, bringing in new intel and information on. There, It just seems to keep flowing in. So As we learn more, we will share it. I am going to give a a brief introduction to why I am personally convinced in the scripture that we will see a a lot of uh, flooding and earthquakes in this country in the coming years. But before I do that, what I want to cover today is I want to make the connection between these four things, the Day of Atonement, Passover and Unleavened Bread, and I'm kind of considering those uh, uh, together as one topic, those signs in the sky and then the floods, earthquakes, and, and place of safety. Now, we've, we've already done a lesson on um, at least one place of safety, and we basically told everyone, you need to go to the nearest mountain ranges uh, that you have in your area. But I will say this, I don't think there is enough uh, planning and preparation you can do physically for this judgment and and this taking up of the tares, uh, it won't make a hill of beans difference if you are not right with the Father. And now I know that everyone on here is striving for that, but I'm going to prove that to you today. I'm going to prove that to you that seek first his kingdom and his righteousness is what we ought to be doing above all else. And that is absolutely the, the top thing to prioritize in this. And then, of course, as we go uh, next week and on forward, we'll go into, uh, do it, like I said, we'll do deep dives specifically around what we can te- what we know about these floods and earthquakes, the fault lines, how they play a role. And, you know, some, you might call them some high octane theories too, right? Because, I mean, you kind of start getting into stuff that, you know, there is scripture for it, of course, but, you know, it, at some point you get into, you, you're getting into guessing territory. So, 
Today's not going to be the guessing territory, though. I'm really going to try my best to share exactly what I think the Father's trying to tell us with these feast days. Depending on which calendar you're on, either way, we're entering into the fall feast, and I feel like this makes it's perfect time to talk about this. So in Leviticus 23, 28 through 32, it says, And ye shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it shall be that shall not be afflicted, in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. Now, it's that we're going to look at the word afflicted and cut off. And I'm going to show you some striking similarities between that and the other uh, things that we're going to talk about today, such as unleavened bread and, and Passover. And whatsoever soul it shall be that doeth any work in that same day, that soul will I destroy from among his people. And then he goes on to say, you do it in the ninth day from even unto even, you celebrate your Sabbath. <clears throat> And I actually think the even unto even is actually significant, too. We may or may not talk about that today, but I think that's he's calling that out specifically because it's 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 a prophetic thing what he's doing there. Nonetheless, let's move forward um, to. Uh, so the word afflict. Can you all see this? The word afflict. I, let me just say, I believe. I believe that the Day of Atonement and the fall feast in general are going to coincide with when the shoe drops or right about thereabouts. And I, I think that it's going to serve us well to keep these feasts. Uh, I think it's going to help. It is going to be what prepares us for the things to come. That's my opinion. I think most of us might agree with that to some varying degree, but let me just keep going here. So what does the word afflict mean? It means to basically to humble or submit oneself to. And I've, I've just highlighted a few of the different, definitions that was in the Strong's definition here, to depress, abase self, chasten himself, deal hardly with, humble, submit self. <clears throat> so we're going to we're gonna kind of work on what, what exactly might this be getting at here? Because if you haven't done this, then you're going to get cut off is what it said. So here's, a, here's another scripture that might give us a little bit of an idea of where God's going with this. Deuteronomy 8, 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or not. Now, in Deuteronomy 13, it's the Deuteronomy 13 uh, uh, prophet test, which basically says, I'm going to send false prophets to test you to see whether or not you really love me. So, you know, that's interesting. You know, that God actually, uh, from the very beginning, he's always planned on testing us to make sure that we have a pure faith. So these two words, uh, the idea of afflicting and humbling oneself goes right hand in hand with what he's saying right here in Deuteronomy 8. Too. He's saying, if you haven't taken yourself through this process, if you haven't allowed my Holy Spirit to take you through this process, then then you don't pass the test of what of someone that's afflicted oneself. So, but what exactly are we humbling ourselves and submitting to? It, like, what does that exactly look like? I want to share what I think that might be. Now, what does Passover represent? I've pulled up a reference here. Does anybody disagree with what I've got up here? Passover representing what Messiah has come and done. It was, it was forward looking to the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Does everybody agree with this? Yes. Yeah. 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 I know it's very fundamental, but I promise I just, I have to build 
line upon line with this. I'm gonna I'm gonna build this from the ground up from the foundation of 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 Messiah's teaching here. That's why I've got it up here. So what do we do next? If we come into the faith, we've come up underneath the blood of Messiah. That's how we always said it in like Protestant churches, right? Southern Baptist, you've come up under the blood of, of Christ. Good. So what do I do next then? Well, what's the very next thing that we do after Passover? Well, unleavened bread. Unleavened bread, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So imagine, imagine what I want to want you to do is imagine these feast days are describing your salvation and your your relationship with God in a timeline. It begins with faith in Messiah. Passover. Okay. That's that's the very beginning, the inception of you born again into the kingdom. And there's a reason I'm covering this is because Linda and I have been talking a lot about um, this idea that there's going to be uh, a birthing of a son, a nation, if you will, a people going to come into the faith, a massive amount. And and I believe that is definitely coming. It's kind of already started, but it's, it's really going to be a significant thing next year. I'm quite sure of it. But the reason I'm covering this is because I want you to be equipped so that you know what you need to do when you see this happen as well. All right, so it says here in Unleavened Bread, I just wanted to highlight verse 11 first because it says, what do you do with the, the, the lamb? Well, it says, with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Okay? Eat it quickly, ready to leave, ready to run. Then it goes on to say, seven days, no leaven it found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off. There's that word again, cut off. And it's the exact same word used in reference to the Day of Atonement. Okay? So there's a pattern here. If you don't want to be um, the target of God's wrath in the Day of Atonement, you best come up underneath the blood of Messiah in the spring before the fall. And so this is this is significant. So understand the spring is the early is is the beginning and the early time of your faith in Messiah and the fall is going to be your salvation, redemption. It's going to be um, you being left while the tares are being removed. But that word cut off, there it is again, he's used it again here that you'll be cut off if you have any leaven in your house during that period. You shall eat nothing leavened. You shall eat unleavened bread. Somebody tell me what is uh, somebody other than Linda, because I think she knows this answer for sure. What is leaven? Oh, no, no. Like what what is what is the the lesson here? So you don't have to answer yet. I want you to keep that in the back of your mind. What is leaven? What is God really trying to say with this? Right. We're going to get to it in a minute. I just want you to rhetorically work through that. Think about it. We're going to move forward, though. Seven days. You don't have any leaven in your house. Great. Now, I just want to point something out. That word day is yom. Okay? Here's all the different meanings of the word yom. I mean, this is something that we've all, like yom kippur, yom teruah. Everybody's familiar with this term. In that particular case with uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, it's it's talking about a 24-hour period. But I want you to make note, this word also 
14 different times was used to say year. Or 64 times to just say a time span in general. And I'm going to go somewhere with this in just a minute. I just want you to keep that in mind. That word yom doesn't have to be 24-hour period. It can be uh, an entire year or just a period in general. It is, absolutely. So so who's familiar with the day for a year concept prophetically? I know Linda is, of course, but mm. is everyone else there? Hmm? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So yes. prophetically for a year. I gave you two witnesses here. There are more. I just, I'm not going to spend much time on it other than say, hey, remember that concept, day for a year? You might see where I'm going with this now. So I asked the question earlier, what is leaven? I think one thing it stands for is uh, false doctrine. False doctrine. Absolutely. I'm so proud of y'all. Most people don't get this right. I, I, I think, though, also, you know, leaven puffs up. And so for us, what puffs us up? Pride. And for, mm-hmm. in my mind, you know, that's one thing that y'all hates the most is pride. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because... We're not open to learning. We're not open to self-assessing. And that then makes us sometimes um, vulnerable to false teachings. Amen. Amen. You just you just spoke on the uh, surface and the heart level. Hey, Marla, I just wanted to build upon what you said. I think it's very interesting you brought up pride because it is one of the seven deadliest sins and not only Seven, it's the top one that he says he hates. And pride actually puffs us up. But what does it also do to us? It brings us into this uh, delusional state so that we're blinded and we're not able to see the truth. So we end up being deceived because, because of the pride and seeking knowledge. But the knowledge is not really working in us, but it's puffing us up. So I thought that was beautifully put the way that you said that. Thanks, Terry. Hello. Uh, we'll keep moving forward. Y'all get the point. And you're, I, I, I agree with everything that was said earlier about, yeah, it puffs up. Pride is what keeps you from even obeying the word of God in the first place. Um, so I, I'm in total agreement there. And I just want to make that point that there's a pattern here that we can see between the, the, the leaven, the false doctrines, and uh, afflicting or unleavened bread is, you know, it's flat and, and, and it means to, to humble thyself from a scriptural standpoint. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. The pattern here is to humble thyself in obedience. Okay. I'm going to move on. Um, I think that point was made very well. So, you know, so just Adam, so that y'all all know that verse is Luke 12. In the meantime, when there was gathered together an innumerable multitude of people and such that they trod one upon another. He began to say unto his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And when you look up that word hypocrisy, this is where you were talking about, Adam. Uh, it means deception. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way that I I never teach unleavened bread in the same way that everybody else does, because I don't believe it's the removal of sin necessarily that we remove the sin. It's sin being removed, right? But we don't remove the sin. But we can weed out the hypocrisy and the deception in our life. 
in the false doctrine, yes. In the false doctrines. But we have to have an open exactly. mind to do that. Yep. Agreed. All right. Matthew 13. I'm going to share with you guys a little bit more that, uh, and I brought this up. I brought both of these up because I just want to point out something here. Um, the Pharisees were educated men. Okay. They were very educated. They were your, like your modern day theologians and scholars and things of that sort today. Uh, right here though, he gives us the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them, it is not given. And then right here in Isaiah 28, it's, it's very specific. It said, them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. You know, kind of like a, a newborn babe in Messiah. You got to come to me as a child, right? So I want to point that out, that if you are in the faith, you're eligible to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Walk in that authority. Now, the wheat and the tares, I'm not going to, belabor this point i think all of us um we've seen this we've talked about this many times just want to point out it says let both grow together until the harvest and in the time of the harvest that's where he gathers the tares and bundles them up to burn them and the wheat in my barn so all of this stuff has everything to do with what's about to go down in this country this is what is about to take place it is the time of the harvest. The signs in the sky are telling us that it's the time of the harvest. You follow me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to put something in just to give you perspective of this is what I see that and we've already talked about it, but I've plugged in Messiah's interpretation of things, of what leaven is <laughs> into this passage. I've taken his words, his definition and put it in there. Seven yom, which could be a day, could be a year, shall there be no false doctrines from the Pharisees or Sadducees in your spiritual house. For whosoever eateth that which is false doctrine, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Yes. Okay, four, eight, nine. We've talked about this passage before. It's amazing how prophetic it is. So he says, it shall come to pass, they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. You don't receive the two signs. That last part of verse 9 is what you can expect. Water. On the dry land becomes blood. It doesn't sound like a, it sounds like a terrible omen. And it is. But he's given us two signs, haven't he? He's given us more than two signs. But these two solar eclipses are two glaring signs that he's trying to throw at us. And there's going to be a lot more in the future, too, that, that we've talked about, of course. Two that we have been um, reiterating over and over and over. I just want to point something out here. Why am I saying this? Because... It says, for seven yom, remove the leaven from your house. Okay. It's interesting that if you're using a typical calendar, seven years from now, or from, from the first sign that we got, you're in August of 2024. And I've heard Linda say, come August 24, you're on borrowed time. And that is true. 
okay? Your seven-year period to get the leaven out of your life, it's you're running out of time. You're running out of time. Day of Atonement falls mid-September to mid-October, depending on which calendar you're using. And Sukkot, you know, late September to mid-October, again, depending on which calendar. Now, personally, mine, the calendar, I say mine, the calendar that I keep, I observe unstated 13 months. Um, I'm I'm not going to talk about the calendar day. I'm just trying to make a point here. I want you all to notice something here, that seven years, if you use the unstated 13 months that happened, you know, every third year or so, thereabouts, you actually land on um, October 17th. Exactly seven years from August 21st would be October 17th because there are a couple extra months that, that fall into place. There are some Jewish calendars that do the 13 months uh, that I'm aware of. Yeah. Only thing I'm trying to point out here is I am going to be in the mountains observing Sukkot 2024 during this time frame. What's significant about this time frame? I will tell you. <laughs> You know, I know this is the presidential election. Yes. Which That's is right. so significant because if, if uh, Biden and the Democrats win, the father will shut things down. So he's had enough yep. of this world's governments and he's going to shut it down. That's right. So, you know, that's just I'll- part. And so now an interesting thing, Adam, and I don't know if people have recognized this too, that the seven years also can represent seven months, starting with the first mm-hmm. in, in April, May, June, mm-hmm. July, August. And oh, wow, yeah. Get to the, the seventh one, which is has all the holy days at the, at the end in it, atonement, trumpets, and Sukkot all in it. That's... You know, they didn't even harvest during that time for the most part. They were done by that time. Do you understand what I'm saying? So yep, yep. these months can also represent years. I mean, and thousand year periods because you have a 7,000 yep. year period and each one of those months can represent a thousand years. Yeah. I encourage a discussion to happen here. I'm not, this isn't about suggesting what calendar you need to follow. The point I'm trying to tell you is that whatever calendar it is, Show yourselves approved as Bereans. Get it right. Is be, you know, be be spirit led on this because I I think I think precision might matter in this case, and, and I really do. So it's not to say it's this counter that I'm not suggesting that at all. As much as I'm trying to say, there's so much prophecy that that comes from this idea, the seven year period, or the seven day period, or the seven month period, or the seven thousand year period. And so, Linda, I, I agree with you. Uh, um, all of the above. It's all pointing to, to something here. So give you always the father can always give us more time if he if he shows, you know, if that's if he chooses to do that. But mm-hmm. I, I can tell you with these signs, we're out of time. We're just out of time because these are signs of warning. They just really are. There's no doubt. They are. Agreed. Agreed. So let me just also point this out. Another parable spake he unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto, um, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. I think this is the only parable he doesn't explain. Y'all know that? He doesn't explain it. No one asked the question. Maybe they understood exactly what he was talking about. I don't know. But we know what this means, don't we? 
We just talked about what leaven was. So it's something to think about here is that he's telling us it's kingdom of heaven. You will come into the kingdom with a whole bunch of false doctrine that you've got to get out of. You've got to get it out of your, your house, right? Your spiritual house. Matthew 7 and Luke 6, he says, the wise man is the one that hears my words and does them. And he's like a man who dug down deep and established his house on that firm foundation. He built his spiritual house up from there. So remember the first instruction on the feast is eat the lamb in haste. What is the lamb? The lamb is Messiah. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And John called him the word. Now, I don't have these up here, but he says in John 1, uh, you know, he's the word made flesh. He also calls himself the bread of life. That's not a coincidence. That's obviously pointing to unleavened bread. He's telling us, listen, it's my word and my teaching that you have to build your understanding of Scripture on. You have to start with the teaching of Messiah. You filter everything through his teaching. That's what that's the key difference, I'll be honest with you, that I have with like Messianics and Hebrews, Hebrew roots and, and Jews in general um, from, from myself is that I appreciate and love the Torah and I understand it is the word of God and it came from Messiah, you know, the angel of the Lord. I get it. But I also understand I understand the Torah, the prophets, and I understand certainly understand Paul and all the other uh, apostles letters through the doctrine of Messiah. Because he is the lamb, and it's he that I have to eat. I take his blood and his word, his teaching. And this is the point I wanted to make with people. It's like, you want to be prepared for this stuff, you need to be doing this, first and foremost. You need to be figuring out what, what doctrine am I holding on to that's not according to the word of Messiah. Is there anything, any little jot or tittle that he mentions in anywhere in his teaching that doesn't allow for this thing over here to be true, whatever this is. It's a hard thing to do. This is a hard thing to do. Most people don't want to do this. They don't want to test their own beliefs, right? So that's what I was saying here is, again, you've got a period of time to remove false doctrine. Now, sorry about this uh, pop up there. Looks like I can barely see it up here, but that's okay. Matthew 24, let's get into this part about why do we think there's going to be floods and earthquakes? Well, he says it. He says it right here in, in uh, uh, Matthew 24. For nation rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. These are just the beginning of the sorrows. Then in verse 15, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, this is going to be our sign. We need to understand this. And Linda, please expound on what you believe verse 15 is saying. Well, it says, when you see the abomination of the desolations set up in the holy place, I I think that's a possibility that that is the fall of this country is really the abomination of desolations. I think she, that's the fall of this country. I think after this country falls, all the other nations of Israel will fall at the same time. And when that happens, you better be you better be in a place to for for protection and a, in a state of protection um, and right with the Father because you know judgment's coming at that point. And so that's mm -hmm. that's just what I think he's referring to. 
I think we are, our fall is the, is the abomination of desolations. Let me ask you, uh, Linda, something I thought of this morning. I'm not saying this is what I believe. It just came to my, came to me earlier this morning though. So the holy place, what is that? The holy place would be a sanctuary. It also can represent a country. It can represent a lot of things. It can represent, in our case, this country. It can represent Washington, D.C. It can represent the capital. You know, very much possible it could represent any of those three. So so you had said something, Linda. It's perfect. I, I, I agree. I agree with you. And I think we need to ponder on what this could mean. But personally, you had said, I don't think they're going to, the God's going to allow another, another Biden, you know, no, whatever it is they do to keep him in. Right. And well, pretty much Trump too. So yeah, he Trump, that's right. Had enough of both of them at this point. I, I, I'm of the belief at this point that standing in the holy place might look like our enemies in DC during the election. That's what I think at this point. I'm not saying that that is what it is, but whatever it is, folks, we're all going to see it. And just understand when you see that, what does it say next? Let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. So whatever stand in the holy place is, understand if it's someone that's there that shouldn't be there, that's what it's saying, right? Someone is in there that shouldn't be there. When that happens, flee to the mountains. Yeah, no, that goes back to those verses in Thessalonians that talks about there'll be a man that stands in the holy place. Yes. And that is also, that's telling you also that this man is the thing that brings the destruction. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm not, I'm not dogmatic about any of this. I'm just, I'm trying to present something. Let's think about this moving forward. Let's get solid on this. Let's have some ideas what we think this might be. We need to be, sharp about this and being watchmen okay let's give wrap it up um now i'm going to just give an introduction of why is there going to be some flooding why is there going to be some earthquakes going on okay well revelation 12 14 through 17 again the woman she goes into the wilderness cast out of his mouth waters a flood he might cause her to be carried away of the flood so there's number one if you see any flooding this is indicating it's from the dragon Obviously, it's it's all by God's, you know, d- divine plan, of course. But I'm just saying, like, it's saying here that this is like, this is a move from the dragon on the chessboard, right? And then the earth helped the woman open the, uh, the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And this is where we're getting this idea. There's going to be some earthquakes. Remember, Messiah said it in Matthew 24. It's going to be earthquakes. And then it says, of course, he, he fails to do what he was trying to do to the woman. So then he goes and gets all these new new believers right that just that she just bore uh remember it said she's going to bear the son before she goes into travail so he's going to go after these believers as well the 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 ones that are not the woman that aren't in the right place the right time to be rescued so to speak i mean it says right there he's after the folks that are keeping the commandments and holding to the testimony of messiah now remember this psalm we talked about a little bit talking about kadesh which which kadesh is I mean, I really think it's generally talking about a large portion of the South, to be totally honest. I don't think it's just Louisiana uh, at this point, but but I do think, you know, Louisiana actually has a place, it's called Kadesh, uh, right in the middle of it. And it's not a town or a, a parish. It's just, 
it's just an area. They just say it's just a, a community that they call Kadesh, and there's not any borders to it. It's just it's just there on the map. It's 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 very weird, but I think it's a witness here as well. Anyways, it says here the voice of the Lord is upon many waters. The God of glory thundereth, the Lord is upon many waters. By the way, it describes the harlot this way too. Just FYI, that's a that's a that's a witness to the fact that wherever the harlot is, so is God. He's there too. Same place. Wheat and the tares, Jerusalem and Babylon. Verse eight, the voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. So th- this could be an earthquake for sure. I'm not opposed to that. I think Linda was the one that pointed out that could be an earthquake right there. What it's talking about. <laughs> um, verse nine, the Lord, uh, the voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve. Now we've talked a little bit about this. This is, it's deer travailing in birth. If you look up the words, like go look at maketh the hinds to calve. It's, it's travailing. Uh, the deer travails. That's like what it says if you break it down in the in the original Hebrew. And it says, discovereth the forest. Linda uh, has said this many times in the past that, and I agree with her, and I, I believe this is making a reference to uh, Judah. The South. Uh, it, yeah, the South, the, the American South. Discovereth the forest. That's why I have forest, by the way, in the background. Y'all saw that. You said you saw trees, uh, you know, on the, on the on the PowerPoint. Well, that's why I put them there. That's what it is out here where I'm at. It's a bunch of trees everywhere. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. That sounds like a revival, if you ask me. In his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. Okay, well, this sounds like a good thing here. A bunch of people are going to be born into the faith in the south, and they're going to give him glory. And then look what it says in verse 10. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever and that forever is significant because i'm telling you the way that what he's getting ready to do after this judgment whatever comes next it's a forever move you know this is what a lot of people call the millennial reign now last two uh last two chapters i want to cover just a little bit more just to ram this idea home about flooding jeremiah 50 i've just selected a few verses from the whole chapter 28 30 43 and 46 the voice of them that flee and escape out of the land of Babylon to declare in Zion the vengeance of the Lord our God, the vengeance of his temple. So this is going to be one of your jobs here. As this all goes down, hey, declare in Zion, this is the vengeance of the Lord. This is of God. This happening is God doing this. Make sure you do that as it happens. Therefore, shall her young men fall in the streets and all her men of war shall be where uh, there's that word again, cut off in that day, saith the Lord. Day of atonement, cut off. If you don't have the false doctrine removed from your house uh, by the, you know, during that period, that seven days, seven weeks, seven months, seven year period, you're cut off. The king of Babylon hath heard the report of them, and his hands waxed feeble. Anguish took hold of him as pains as a woman in travail. Anybody, what sign is about to occur in the sky? What, what, what sign is it? I think it happens. I think it's already happening. It happened. Um, is it this weekend, Linda? It, it happened today. I mean, yesterday. Today. I mean, I didn't mean to actually time it that way, but there you go. Um, it happened again yesterday. I mean, he's given us sign after sign. The noise, and here, here it is. 
at the noise of the taking of Babylon. All right, that's going to be at the same time when we realize someone's standing in the holy place that's not supposed to be there. I think that's going to be what this is, the noise of the taking of Babylon. The earth is moved. This is why he says at that point, flee to the mountains, because at the noise of the taking, there's going to be an earthquake. You want to get to those mountains before that happens. Uh, And that is in regard to what you're saying right now. That's in Isaiah chapter 24, verse 13. Where does it shall be in the midst of the land, which means the center of the land. That's where the Madrid fault line is. Sarah, I hope you're proud of me. I pronounced it right. (laughs) Among the people, there shall be as, as the shaking of the olive tree and the gleaming grapes where the vintage was done. So he's saying that there's going to be a shaking in the land. It's going to be a shaking in the center of the land. Mm. Mm. That's right. That's right. And y'all, are, y'all, are, it's going to get really interesting the next next couple of lessons we do because it's. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw up some maps. I'm gonna do some digging and see if I can't validate some of these maps and ideas. There's been a lot of people that turns out that's looked into this. Uh, from all walks of life, trying to understand. There's a lot of different people that believe this is going to go down, that there's going to be some like polar shift kind of thing going on in the earth, major earthquakes. You know, we're talking about setting up a, you know, giving the earth a facelift for the the, the new age, if you will. You know, that, that's where all your new agers get their, this idea from. Yes. Adam. Yes, ma'am. It talks about young men falling in the streets and all of this. Mm-hmm. Um do we think, I mean, because of the timing of the election and the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, that there could be, as a result of the outcome of the election, this abomination of desolation, and then some kind of perhaps civil war situation in this country? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I think that it's a both and. I think the Civil War, I, I'll have to go back and find the verses for this. I think Civil War really happens whenever the food stuff's, um, you know. But I both. just imagine, like, if people once again think that elect the election is stolen again by whoever <laughs> is this person standing mm-hmm. in the holy place, and that's the abomination, mm-hmm. um, just maybe what will happen as a result of that. Uh I Particularly between the South and the North again, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I, know. I, I know I, absolutely, and I and I actually think. Um, well, I'm not going to go there right now, but yes, I'll tell you what. I'll make sure that as we move forward, I put some time into figuring out what role uh, civil unrest and civil war plays in it. If it, I, I kind of think it's going to kind of go down at the same time. It goes down at the same time. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. His brother lifts up sword against brother. Right. Well, and seeing young men fall in the streets. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, interesting because, you know, you know that, and I'm just going to deviate a little bit here. You know, I don't see how they can run him again. I don't see how, and I think they're going to have to come up with somebody else. And so it's going to be interesting to see who it is. And they, are really pushing for Michelle Obama. I'm telling you, they're pushing for Michelle Obama. I just wonder if, um, you know, people are awakening to what's going on. And I don't think the people in power 
are going to let Trump or anybody like him win. And even if he does win, I don't think they're going to let him take power. And so I'm, I'm wondering if whoever does take it. power. Yeah. 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 That could trigger it. It's hard for us to know right. but the Bible gives us a few clues. It says that it is a man that stands in the holy place. So we know that. And the desolation, abomination of desolations has to be the fall of this country. Because everything, everything triggers after this. After well, we talked about, too, like during the days of Israel, the temple was also where legal proceedings and all of that, where government uh, took place. And so if we are Israel and, you know, Washington is our Jerusalem, you could see where the capital would be analogous to the temple of Israel. And if there's a person there trying to take control of Israel, that shouldn't, it's just like Antiochus Epiphanes, right? Uh, And that may then result in the civil unrest, I think. Yes. So, you know, can we, um, Adam, can we cover John chapter four? It ties into what you were talking about which I think is so interesting. But that very last parable, which is so interesting, is the healing of the nobleman's son. So it says, and Jesus came to uh, Cana of Galilee, and we had made water, where he had made water into wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick in Capernaum. And when he heard the Messiah had come of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and bestowed him that he would come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death and the messiah looked at him and he said except you see the signs and wonders you will not believe and so i just think that's so interesting because this whole thing we do not understand that the new testament is all prophetic it is he can't separate the the prophecy out of this thing it's impossible so he says, unless you see the signs and wonders, you, you're not going to believe. So he goes on and he tells the nobleman, sir, uh, he said, he thinks his child is dead. And he said, go thy way because your son lives. And he believed him and he left. But you remember the whole story. And I think if I'm not mistaken, the child had been sick for two days, which I think is really interesting because that shows that it's 2,000 years from the time of the Messiah to the time of of the end because that's fulfilling Hosea 6 where it says, you know, I I will heal you. And, and he's, that's a spiritual healing. And I think a physical healing too. I will heal you. Uh, and then he says he will come abode with us after, after two days. So, yeah, at some point we're going to go through the teaching of the two days, and I'm telling you, you're going to just not going to believe it, because that two day period is so significant all through the New Testament, and he's referring back to his return when you see a two day period. That's what he's referring to. It's referring to the second um, coming of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So I got off the track a little here, but I just think it's so interesting. That's why he has to send signs and wonders. Oh, yeah, right here. Exodus 4, 8, and 9. <clears throat> okay. It says, uh, look, 
neither you so if they will not believe they neither hearken to the voice of the first signs they will believe the voice of the latter signs so look understand that when these signs come there needs to be a voice that accompanies it to explain it so just understand that in your own little network that can be you when people talk about it that have not come out of the come out of babylon not trying to you have an opportunity to be that voice there needs to be a voice that accompanies these signs. And that's what Lynn and I have been trying to do here is give give some context to it, you know, with using scripture, right? But hey, this is what scripture has to say about these things. So it's not just that you have the signs. You also have people bringing an explanation to it, a scriptural explanation to it. Okay. Now, I'm going to go back to that last. Okay. Jeremiah uh, said to Sariah, which, by the way, this means quiet one. A prince who is quiet, doesn't talk. So I think this may actually happen next year. We're going to see this go down because look what it says. When thou comest to Babylon, shalt see and shalt read all these words. Then shalt thou say, O Lord, thou hast spoken against this place to cut it off. There you go, that that phrase, cut it off, cut off, right? That none shall remain in it, neither man nor beast. It's talking about Babylon now. But that it shall be desolate forever. The, the ways and commandments and systems of Babylon, which is what America is today right now. And it shall be, when thou hast made an end of reading this book, thou shalt bind a stone to it and cast it into the midst of Euphrates. And thou shalt say, thus shall Babylon sink. So here's another evidence that there's going to be some flooding going on. It says Babylon's going to sink and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her and they shall be weary. I believe this is instruction for somebody. I don't know who that is, somebody is, but I'm kind of anticipating something like this to happen. A lot of these things will be things that somebody is going to do. And it mm. may be, it, you know, I, I'm glad you brought up that everybody should be telling and they should be that voice. Because, you know, you'd be surprised how many people would be so excited to see this stuff with uh, with the the uh, just the map that has the X on it. Because I've been showing it to people. I, I've been showing it to, <laughs> I go in to do a blood test and I pull, I said, let me show you something. And <laughs> I, you're going to find this fascinating. And I bring it up and they said, oh my goodness, thank you for showing us this. We've not seen this. And I just tell them, I think this is a sign from the Heavenly Father that God has had enough of this country. Yeah. And so yeah, I don't have to say more than that. That's all I said. And I'm sure they think I'm crazy, but. The person that I showed it to in the blood lab was all excited. They said, oh, my goodness, I see this. And they, yeah. could see the two, they could see the two X's and they saw the X on the country. It's so obvious. So it doesn't have to be a lot of explanation to people. It doesn't have to be, you know, you go out to preach to them. Just pull it up and show them, you know, pull it up and show them. I think those simple little things make so much more uh, sense to people because it's a physical thing they can see. Do you, do you all understand? Because when mm-hmm. the kingdom of God came the first time, it was a spiritual thing, and that's what it is right now. It's a spiritual thing, okay? But the physical one will come always later. You'll see that analogy. You know, the, the Messiah came the first time. He came to give freedom. He comes the second time to give land. That's what he's doing. So the first time that that represented uh, Moses, you know, and then Joshua took him in, which is the same name as the Messiah, took him straight on into the to the promised land. Right here. What does it say? 
the Lord, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. He is upon the many waters. He sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the, the Lord sitteth king forever. So I, I'm, I look forward to delving into this, the physical things that I believe could happen in this country when all this goes down. I just wanted to, I, it was really impressed upon me to, your, your top strategy is to remove leaven, to know the truth, to know the Lord. Uh, it's thy truth that sanctifies us, okay? And if that's not your top strategy, that's there is no other strategy. That's really what I wanted to point out here is, yes, we need to talk about what we think is going to happen and where and when. But above all else, you've got no hope if you don't do that much. For more information about this broadcast, please visit our website at www.12tribehistory.com. That is the number 12, tribehistory.com, or email us at lwatson44 at cox.net with any questions or comments.